This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Magid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Hi, everybody, after all these days of silence. Um, I have a koan for you today. I very much appreciated Barry's talk, which was so apropos to the moment. And I have another one that I think uh, also has perhaps some special meaning for this, uh, this uh, occasion. Uh, it's one that maybe a lot of you are not familiar with. It comes from uh, the Blue Cliff Record, which is a special Soto collection of koans. It's the 52nd case. It involves the famous Joshu, or Jiao Jiao, as he's known in Chinese. Jiao Jiao lets asses cross, lets horses cross. Here's the koan. A monk asked Jiao Jiao, For a long time I've heard of the stone bridge of Jiao Jiao, but now that I've come here, I just see a simple log bridge. Jiao said, You just see the log bridge. You don't see the stone bridge. The monk said, What is the stone bridge? Jiao said, It lets asses cross, it lets horses cross. So I think we need a little decoding here so that you'll, you'll know what's going on. Um, first, I think we should deal with the metaphor of the bridge. You know, uh, mostly koans are read better as poetry than as prose. They don't make a lot of sense as simple, straightforward explanation. And, you know, you need to ask yourself, okay, what does a bridge do? Oh, and that's pretty simple. It goes from one shore to the other, right? So, bing, does that remind you of anything? Uh, it's, it's maybe uh, used here similarly to the uh, usual Zen metaphor of the raft, which helps you to cross over from one shore to the other. So you can keep that in mind as... These guys are bandying bridges back and forth. The situation here is that uh, the, the monk is uh, a traveling monk. Uh, you know, back in uh, ancient times, the monks only stayed at the monasteries for like intensive training periods. And then uh, they would leave after the, the 90 days were up. And they would either go back to their native village or... Uh, more often wander about the countryside, encountering other teachers and visiting monasteries, perhaps meeting one of those occasional famous Zen hermits up in the mountains somewhere. And uh, how, they, how they learned was they would uh, have dialogues with the uh, Zen adepts that they met. So that's what this monk is doing. He arrives at a little village... And uh, the name of the village is Jiao Jiao. Uh, the the Zen, Zen masters often take their names from the place where they lived. So the village and the person have the same name. And indeed there was 
a famous stone bridge there. It would be maybe comparable to the Brooklyn Bridge or the Golden Gate Bridge. Everybody, it was a famous bridge. Everybody knew about it, okay? So he goes there and he uses this uh, uh, bridge to challenge Joshu. Uh, Joshu, you know, is one of the greatest masters ever. Uh, so it takes a little nerve. Either this monk was naive or brave. And, he, and uh, so to challenge, he says, uh, I heard about this famous uh, stone bridge. Uh, but now that I've come here, I just see a simple log bridge. So he, what he's basically saying is, I'm not impressed. So this is kind of interesting, you know. It maybe has a lesson for us about how, how we should judge Zen teachers, you know. Some of them are very flashy and famous, and uh, rightly so. They just are brilliant personages. Um, and some are flashy and famous, and maybe that's covering up a lot of problems underneath. And, uh, you know, the height, actually, of uh, uh, being a Zen person is often to be quite unassuming, to be ordinary. That's the name of our school, after all, ordinary mind. And so sometimes this isn't too impressive. You're, ex you're expecting something great, and uh, you just meet this ordinary person. So beware, uh, and uh, make sure that you know what you're getting when you sign up with a teacher. So the monk has, has pro proposed this challenge to Joshu, and, and this is Joshu's reply. He says, you just see the log bridge. You don't see the stone bridge. We could take this several different ways. It could be uh, Joshu's um, ability to just become the student, to put himself totally in the student's point of view. You don't see it. You don't get it, all right? I understand that. It could be uh, Joshu putting the student down a little bit. You know, if you emphasize the you, you don't see the stone bridge. You just see the wood bridge. In other words, it's there, but you are not seeing it. You know, it can just be a total acceptance of the student as he is. My uh, first teacher, Dido Lori, used to often say to people, you know, they would have these outrageous criticisms and attacks and disagreements and stuff, and sometimes he would sit there and listen to them, hear them out, and he'd say, if you say so. <laughs> and that was that. So... Uh, at any rate, uh, you have to put yourself in, uh, in Joshu's position a little bit to see what a remarkable answer it is. Because, you know, uh, if someone comes up and attacks you and puts you down the way this monk has just done, a, a, a normal average reaction would be to be defensive or to be angry. 
to attack back. But Joshua is completely level in his response at this point. It takes a, it takes a great person to do that. Then the monk replies back again. He says, what is the stone bridge? So it's here that he kind of, the monk kind of climbs down a little bit from his attack and decides that, oh, well, maybe there is something I don't know here. Maybe I could learn something in this situation from this person. And he asks, okay, what is the bridge? Maybe he's asking to Joshu, who are you? What is the path? How can I cross over? What should I do? He's asking at this point a sincere question. He wants to learn. And Joshua replies, It lets asses cross. It lets horses cross. Again, another very remarkable answer. It's so appropriate on every single level. It's amazing that he could come up with it on the spur like that. Uh, I mean, on an absolutely practical, everyday level, it fits the metaphor of the bridge and the actual bridge which is there. You know, it's a bridge. It has traffic. It goes back and forth. In those days, uh, it wouldn't be Toyotas and BMWs. It would have been horses and asses. So it's completely um, appropriate on that level. It's also completely appropriate on the level of Dharma. From the absolute point of view, Dharma doesn't care if you're a horse or an ass. In fact, it sees no difference between a horse and an ass. Same thing. Horses and asses are one. It's like, I'm not you, and you're not me, but you and I are the same thing. That's from the point of view of the absolute in Dharma. So that's another way in which the, the reply is quite appropriate. Also, it's a little funny. It's kind of a, a little bit sarcastic put-down of the monk, maybe. He just twits him a little bit. He doesn't get mean. And so he's kind of saying to him, okay, you're an ass, or maybe an asshole. And, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because, you see, the situation is that the monk has, has come there attacking this great teacher, He clearly wants to be a hero. He clearly thinks that in Zen you have to win. That you have to be right. And what Joseph's message to him and to us is (coughs) that it doesn't matter. We don't have to be a hero to succeed in Zen. You can just be a person who makes mistakes, who doesn't know everything, 
who maybe even has some quite unattractive personal characteristics. You know, you can be who you are, whatever you are. And the good news is, you can cross over anyway. And, you know, at this point, I think maybe it would be a good idea to, um, for all of us to pause and give a little homage to Joko, the founder of our school. You know, Joko always claimed that she set up her Zen shop at the bottom of the cliff. And this goes with the Zen story where the lion mother sits at the top of the cliff and, uh, and she pushes all the cubs off. And those who crawl up, again... She teaches, she, she mothers and nurtures. And those who don't, you know, are stranded at the bottom of the cliff with no help. And so jo- uh, Joko said that this is, these are the students she wants. She did say that. <laughs> We can have this copyright argument later. (laughs) At any rate, our esteemed teacher, Barry. (laughs) Barry said this too. (laughs) And it's not that we're all wimps. (laughs) It's just that our school is the unheroic or quietly heroic, maybe, school of Zen. You know, we all come into practice, you know, and when we hear this koan, we all want to be the horse, right? Nobody wants to be the ass. And a lot of us enter Zen practice because we're trying to be the horse, and we secretly fear we're the ass, you know, there are a few Zen students who do enter actually pretty convinced that they're the horse. And, uh, you know, a, a, an important moment in a practice for somebody like that is to actually see, oh my God, in that instant I was a real ass. That's a, that, that's a, a practice maturing. And for the person who thinks they're nothing but the ass, an important moment in practice is seeing, oh my goodness, you know, I actually was the horse in that situation. I have great horse potential. (laughs) You know, in Zen, values, uh, who's the horse and who's the ass depends a lot on what point of view you're looking at it from. That's why it doesn't isn't such a great idea to make judgments about yourself, whether you're the horse or the ass, because it depends on your point of view. You know, like someone like Bernie Madoff, for example, I'm sure that he was feeling quite a sleek horse for quite a while, but what about now? Someone like a gang leader, you know, from the point of view of his gang members, he's the horse. From someone looking from the outside, 
he looks like an ass. You know, his values look very distorted. And uh, the end doesn't look good. So different values uh, uh, dictate who we think is which one. And part of our Zen practice is to sort through those ideas we have about what makes a horse and what makes an ass and what makes us think we're one or the other. According to Zen values, the horse is the person who lets go of self, who has great compassion. And what we often think is that in our practice, that's going to happen to us in a flash, you know, some great enlightenment experience. And when we come out the other end, no self. And we'll be this, you know, Lady Bountiful, bestowing our compassion throughout the world. But here's what I have to tell you about that. That that self you're trying to let go of, you let go of day by day, any ordinary day, hundreds of decisions, little decisions, you can decide, you can choose to act from self or to act for others. And because these decisions are often so small and multiple, they're hard to see sometimes. The same is true of compassion. Day by day, we can choose. Act from compassion or act selfishly. Each time we choose, we advance our ability to choose again. But because we're human, sometimes we choose self and sometimes we choose no self. Sometimes we choose compassion and sometimes we don't. And so what we need to see here from this koan is that the horse and the ass are not these two totally separate kinds of people, but that the horse and the ass reside in each of us, same person. Sometimes we're one, sometimes we're the other. To quote our Heart Sutra, this is the truth, not a lie. So, yee